Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you. Let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for what you've shown us. Thank you for helping us to apply the truths of your word. Thank you for sanctifying every aspect of our being, including our emotions, our feelings. Help us to develop godly affections in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it always happens when I start looking over. I'm two weeks ahead, so I go back to today's outline and look at it like you do the day before, right? And then I think about what I just went through yesterday. Boy, I got some personal examples from this. Let's first start. Chapter four is also in uh, the new section. The new section is um, part two of the book. Those who are following around, following at home, biblical sanctification and our emotions. Chapter 4, the title is Our Emotions and the Authority of God's Word. Just a quick hint at the end. Uh, His authority has authority over every aspect of your sanctification. Just short-circuiting that right now. And we'll quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones, what is so tragically wrong in a Christian is that he should allow himself to be controlled by his temperament. The natural man is always controlled by his temperament. He cannot help himself. But the difference that regeneration makes is that there is now a higher control, even over our temperament. That is the miracle of redemption. Temperament remains, but temperament no longer controls. The Holy Spirit is in control. I think there's a combination of words, three or four word phrases that come out of my mouth toward my wife that she is not really comfortable hearing. Honey, could you help me? Do you have a second? I could use your hand. And she's thinking, yeah, it's usually at some point to get frustrated and start barking at me about what I should bring to her and why she's not holding something the right way. And I apologize in front of everybody, but it was a really good sermon illustration. Where am I going with this? Well, I mean, do you ever try to put those folding doors? I think they're called bifold doors. They open up and they, I mean, it's simple. I mean, the hardware for this thing is maybe, what, 10 bucks less? You know, you got two points of pivot and the thing folds out and sits in a track and when it comes out it's um it's uh it's demonic 
because I think I've said, if I have to try putting this thing back in again, we're buying another house. Okay, and I talked about this. It's the only time I've ever smashed the door. It's not just you. I just told you. But there is no excuse. I hope the recording is picking the. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. I remember I said, "Get me a, get me a flashlight." She puts the flashlight on her phone. I said, a legitimate flashlight, not that thing. Now, that thing would have been fine. Hold the door right here. Hold the door. Oh, you moved it. Just get out of the way. Am I embarrassed? Yes, I'm embarrassed, but I'm saying it in front of y'all. And I didn't even sit in front of y'all, so you get a bonus here. All right. It is common to hear the emotions cannot be changed or governed. Therefore, God cannot tell us how we should feel. Others categorize emotions under temperament, personality type, ethnicity. Let me go on a little bit from these categorizations. How about hangry? Now, early in the other chapters, Borgman points out there are some physiological things to deal with. But let's talk about some physiological things that somehow, as we say here, once we categorize certain emotional behaviors, we put them in beyond the reach of sanctification and the biblical imperatives that would require change. We put them in a vault. We mentioned this last week. It's a combination of emotions and the lack of self-control, and that's what we're going to apply God's authority to today, or at least show it. Hangry is one. Now, my wife says, you're hangry. She doesn't use that excuse for my behavior, but there are, you know, it, it, you read these things in counseling books. There's three things that basically uh, encourages people to be frustrated or get angry, and that is lack of sleep, right, lack of food, and being a Browns fan. <laughs> I talked about using Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs, yes, I'm a feeler, but it's not an excuse that God doesn't have authority over those emotions. I want to turn this to women because they're the only ones that I can use this example on, not as a cudgel, but just essentially as an example. I was previously married to a woman that was a particular challenge once a month and use that monthly cycle uh, as an um, excuse to um, not just be emotional, but emotionally abusive. And it's kind of sacrosanct because it's something that she always goes through. I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. I just remember me having a discussion with her one day. And actually, I've had this similar discussion with other Christian women when I was in small groups back in the day. And I said, you know, if 
you are out with your friends going out to a bar or some place, a concert or something and to meet guys, or you're going to meet guys, and you are going through, you had your friend, you were PMSing. I know you would find a way to still carry yourself off as presentable and attractive to the possible suitors out there in the room. And they said yes. And I said, well, then you can control it. It's not an excuse just to go off. What about pregnant women? There's physiology there that I can't explain. And there's something we have to be graceful toward. Definitely. But categorizing and then protecting it under categories is what we're talking about here. Not that it doesn't have physiological effect on your emotional and physical well-being and those around you. So I was trying to just say that we all find ways, have found ways to protect that's just the way I am. You know, don't tell me what I should feel or how I should act kind of things. Because all our temperaments are different, but no classification of these certain emotions and behaviors makes them exempt from the authority of God's word. Even folding bifold demonic doors or Brown's losses. I actually ran away from home once, now that I'm thinking about it. <clears throat> Growing up in a uh, split home, my mother and her family are all from Southside Pittsburgh. And they were all Steelers fans, and every time the Steelers and the Browns played in our house, uh, in our house there would be a split, because my dad was a big Browns fan, and so was I, because I wanted to be with my dad. My mom was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so the family was all lined up, and then usually the Steelers would um, beat the snot out of the Browns, because that was back in the day where they won all those Super Bowls in the 70s. And, uh, I remember after a particular thrashing, we were sitting down to a game of a Monopoly, family game of Monopoly, and a lot of trash talking still going on. And long story short, I got so upset and so angry over the Browns' loss to the Steelers that I ran away from home. In a driving snowstorm, I was maybe eight, nine, single digits for sure, it was. It was a blizzard in Cleveland Heights, and uh, I did, I, I, I'm going out. I went out, and I ran. Oh, you'll never see me again. And I ran out, and the next thing my mom knows, she's getting a call from my aunt. And my aunt says, guess who showed up at my doorstep? My aunt and uncle lived in Shaker Heights, which was like I walked three and a half miles. I showed them. And so... <laughs> Show you what emotions can do, especially when you're angry over a... It's a good thing I got over that because considering the history of that team, so my mom said, just could you please put him in the cab and send him over? And so my aunt did, put me in a cab, and I went home, and I got out, and my mom had to pay for it. <laughs> All right. God cares about and commands how we feel. We must acknowledge that just as God authoritatively commands our moral decisions, he also authoritatively, authoritatively commands our emotions. God tells us how and what we should and should not feel. 
Our emotions need to be sanctified and brought under the authority of God's word. The redemptive process is for the whole person. There are sinful emotional expressions, we've just talked about those, that need to be repented of and put to death. There are Christ-like emotions that need to be brought to life and cultivated. As godly emotions are cultivated, they will exert a powerful influence on our motives and our conduct. So the Bible commands all kinds of emotions. Let's start with the command to be joyful or to rejoice, Matthew 5, 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven is great. Romans 12, 8, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. And then there is the command, as in Matthew 18, 35, to forgive your brother from the heart. Forgiveness is more than an emotion, but whether we like it or not, it has an emotional element to it. Of course it does. We are also commanded to love. 1 Peter 1.22 Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Love one another with brotherly affection in Romans 12.10 How about the command to fear? It's an emotion. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Luke 12, 5. And also 1 Peter 1, 17. Conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay on earth. Well, that's a long time to be in fear. Hmm. There is the command to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts in Colossians 3, 15. There's a command to be zealous, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, Romans 12, 11. You see, well, that's not my personality. It just does not really seem like a good reason to disobey God's word. We saw that the first, we did the introduction, and there were five scenes or scenarios. And this guy says, Pastor says, I've noticed you don't sing. And he says, I don't need all the touchy-feely stuff. I'm good. I don't need to get all emotional, raise my hands. We are also told that we need a we have a need to desire to we need to desire the word of God like newborn babes. So the analogy is the newborn babe who wants his mother's milk in 1 Peter 2:2. 2, 2. How about being tender-hearted? Tender-heartedness is also commanded. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, Ephesians 4. How can how can you be a tender-hearted without engaging the emotions? How about mourning? Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Okay, James 4, 9. Weep with those who weep. We are confronted with the command to cry real tears and authentically have broken hearts, hearts which feel with others. Ah, now we get authority, so we've gotten through all, not all, Authoritative scriptures commanding us to feel, to have emotions. Now let's marry that with the authority of God's word. So God also commands us to exercise self-control. Ah, fruit of the spirit. 
We must control every aspect of our lives, especially our emotions. God expects us to exercise self-control. How about Acts 24, 25? But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened. Yeah, Felix didn't have a whole lot of self-control. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things, 1 Corinthians 9.25. And in 2 Peter 1.6, and add to your knowledge self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, and it's a gift of grace. Yes, I need more of it. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control, 2 Timothy 1.7. We are to be sober-minded, reasonable, sensible, exercising good judgment, prudence. Romans 12.3 says, but to think so as to have sound judgment, Romans 12.3. And now in 1 Peter 4.7, therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit. The presumption is that our emotions are under the control of God's word and spirit and sound mental judgment. So that's what we've seen in this chapter. The command for emotions and the responsibility to submit those emotions to the authority of God's word, which would exercise self-control, even when putting up a bifold demonic door. If, if your friends or family or relatives or wife or husband, you know, kind of hesitant when they hear certain words like, honey, you got a minute? Then um, read chapter four again. <laughs> In conclusion, the Bible authoritatively, authoritatively commands us to have and display certain emotions and to be in control of our emotions through spirit-empowered self-control. If we are Christians, we can put off sinful emotions and we can cultivate godly emotions no matter what our temperament, our ethnicity, our Myers-Briggs profile, a time of the month it is, whether we've eaten or not. The fact that God commands is one thing. How to obey the command is something else. I'm going to get into that. Where there is a desire for change, and there's got to be that to start, and where there is truth relative to desired change, we are in a position to change. Under the Holy Spirit's power, we can begin to develop new godly habits while putting to death old ungodly ones. And I know you've, you're thinking of scriptures right away, put off, put on. Mortify. Well, there's some really good scriptures. Some of the scriptures that I've gone through so far, I've, like, I've seen them before, but I'm like, I didn't know that was there. When I start looking into the emotional aspect of this, we were watching a series of movies with Tom Selleck, Jesse Stone. Jesse Stone is a small town detective. And we, we always, now all of a sudden we're listening to things about feelings because, like, oh, emotions were there. And so Jesse Stone is an alcoholic police chief, and uh, he's always going to his shrink, who was also a retired, hardened police officer. Now he's a counselor. And the and counselors always say, well, how do you feel about that? And what did Jesse Stone say? I don't know, but I know what I think about that. 
like, hey, look at that. But that happens so often in counseling sessions. Under the influence of the Word and the Holy Spirit, we can really begin to handle our emotions. And there are three significant pillars that we need to clearly erect and understand before we get to the issues of mortification and cultivation. And those, actually, three pillars are the titles of chapters 5, 6, and 7. The foundation and priority of truth. Your foundation and then what the priority of truth is in your life. And now a sound theology of Christian experience. And so that's where we kind of, we should be in active sanctification, right? Everything the Bible says, take to the word. Take all thoughts captive to the word, right? And that is essentially the sound theology of Christian experience. Uh, your experience, take everything that you're going through and take it against God's word. Like we see everything, oh, that movie. Everything is coming, we, we, we see it, we hear it, and we're like, oh, it's there. Let's take that to God's word. What does that say? Oh, that so reminds me of what we're talking about this week. And chapter 7 is going to be called Biblical Example of How to Handle the Emotions Through Truth. And then we're going to get into the actual emotions, the positive, the negative, how to strip off the ungodly and how to put on the godly. So chapter 5 is up on uh, the cloud, the download link that you have. You can get next week's already. And the study guides are up there, too. So next week, we will do Chapter 5. Hi there. This is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you.